News Radio 680 WPTF. This is making your home great. It's your opportunity to call in and talk with experts in home repair and home building and get some answers and maybe find out what uh, you should know before you start your own project or hire somebody. Myself, Dave Alexander, and Tim Ferruzzi. Hi, Tim. Hey, how are you? Good to have you on the radio show. So, um, Happy Easter to everybody. Yeah, happy Easter to everybody. And I, I could tell it was a holiday weekend because there were um, a lot of people out of town because I, I spent the week trying to arrange for in-studio guests mm. on this show. It was not possible. Everybody is at the beach. <laughs> However, we've got some people joining us from the beach, so it's a good thing. Uh, later on in the show, uh, there is a news story about Moore County Elementary School, a Moore County Elementary School banning backpacks over concerns over bed bugs. If you know somebody in Moore County... Have them tune in this show because by about 2.30 this afternoon, just a few minutes from now, we're going to have an expert on bedbugs. Uh, we're going to have the expert on bedbugs, Dr. Ken Alstrom of Economy Exterminators on the show. Tim, you want to talk about uh, foundation issues? Yeah, it's a, it's a big problem. Uh, we're probably doing two to three jobs a month. Uh, just related to structural issues, and uh, just wanted to talk to people to tell them what some signs might be that you are having foundation issues around the home or building. We should uh, just jump in and say that uh, Tim Ferruzzi is Handy Helpers and Highland Residential Roofing, and I didn't really even associate you with foundation issues. If somebody has a cracks in the foundation or a splitting drywall, they can contact you and you can, you can help them out with this? Yep, I can come take a look and see how how bad it is. Sometimes it's just uh, minor settling and there's nothing to worry about. Uh, so I just have to come out and take a look and, and give you my opinion. And at times we'll just have to, to upgrade to a, a licensed engineer. But most of the time I can come out and take a look and tell you what level you're at or what you need to do or where we go from there. What causes all this? I, because I hear commercials... On this station and others, people talking about this very issue, and it seems to me it's a very North Carolina thing. Well, you know, North Carolina has a lot of moisture, so there's a lot of water runoff, um, developers moving land around, trees being pulled out, um, water pouring on other people's property, draining that, you know, different directions. Can affect it. it. It all comes down to, to well, there's several things. Yeah, uh, soil conditions are, are key, uh, and also the quality of the construction. You know, you do find situations where things just weren't done properly. And again, going back to what I mentioned a few minutes ago, maybe water runoff, uh, drainage of the property, trees being removed trees growing too close to a house, um, maybe property not being taken care of, expansion joints not filled, uh, lots of things. I mean, you could even have structural damage where it doesn't relate to your footing and foundation, which is your masonry part of your structure. Yeah. Uh, And it could be more wood-related, which kind of goes into what we've talked about so many times on the show about ventilation and moisture issues and uh, things of a sort. 
You looked at my pictures, did you? I did. I, I sent them. Uh, I, it's very coincidental. We hadn't planned on this particular conversation, but I had my phone in my hand. I looked up at the wall near a couple of doorways, and there were cracks. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's panic time yet? No, uh, the hairline cracks uh, around doors and moldings usually aren't uh, an indicator of any major problems. Now, if you start seeing cracks that are around those areas, doors and moldings that become very wide, meaning uh, an eighth of an inch, quarter of an inch, half an inch, then yes, you've got, you know, the best thing to do is to kind of start outside and just walk around your foundation, which is the brick around or the, or the stucco uh, concrete block type scenario. Yeah, Just walk around the base of your house and just observe and see if you see cracks. That's one of the first uh, indicators outside that you might be having some problems looking for cracks and bulging. Yeah. Anything pulling away. We just did a big job in Chapel Hill where uh, we had a second level uh, brick veneer above a room, above a wing of his house and um, didn't have enough support in the framing uh, in that lower room. So we had to tear all the brick off of uh, probably 15% of the house uh, had to be torn off and we had to come in and we had to have an engineer draw up the plan as far as what we needed to do as far as the support in that framing. Yeah, And then we, we reused some of the brick and ordered some brick and made it look like it never happened, put it all back together. The um, the idea that he put, this is, I guess, unsupported brick or brick that was supported on the frame of the house. Um, I, I can imagine the weight accumulates pretty quickly. Um, yeah, it was, uh, imagine a two-story house kind of split level, and you've got a wing that's one story, and then you've got the next level, and you've got a brick veneer above yeah. that that first story up to the top of the second level gable. Uh, that's a lot of weight, and so they had one uh, two by eight or maybe two two by eights in the ceiling supporting that whole wall, essentially, uh, the whole brick exterior wall. So we had to take all the brick off because it was falling off, bulging out, a uh, big hazard, and obviously a big resale issue if you ever decide to sell the property. So yeah. we took all the bricks down one by one. Send them down a chute, protected the roof to the best we could there on the lower section, set up scaffolding, took all the brick down, cleaned all the brick. We ordered some brick that would uh, match, and we uh, mingled them together. You know, for every four new bricks, we used one old brick because, yeah. of course, we lost some of the old brick along the way as well. So yeah. we came in and redid the framing, had it inspected, pulled a permit. Inspector said, okay, and we even... The, the engineer said, do two two-by-tens. What we did is we did three two-by-twelves. Good for you. And then we added some extra support. So we would just we did some extra redundancy just to make sure that we were good. You did the homes-by-homes homes way. A fellow does a Canadian uh, repair show. He says, oh, sure, there's code. But, uh, but you, what you really got to do is do more than code. Do what's going to well, last yeah. forever. Building code is the minimum building code. Yeah. So my philosophy is always do the extra things, always go the extra mile. Why not use a little bit wider of a piece of wood? Why not add another piece of wood? Why yeah. not use thicker wood? It doesn't cost that much more. Right. And then you know it's done. Right. 
All right. Next segment, we're going to call our My Town segment. Here's why, Tim. This is a specific neighborhood issue that, you know, most folks, they don't live in this neighborhood. I mean, many, many people don't live in this Whitehall Manor uh, apex community, but they've got a big deal going on. It could happen to you or me. Hang on. we got the gentleman from the Homeowners Association. How would you like to live behind a 30-foot brick wall? It could happen in that community. Details coming up. Call us up at 919-860-9783. Making your home great with Tim Ferruzzi and Dave Alexander. News Radio 680 WPTF. This is my town. Around about this time every week on Making Your Home Great, we're going to uh, present, I think we're going to call My Town. It's a specific issue that affects one community, but you know, could affect you too. Uh, quick AccuWeather forecast, though. Sunny today, high near 83. We're near there now. Tonight's low 62. Sunday is a high of 83. Absolutely the same as today. Very warm uh, we get up to 82 on Monday, but there's also a possibility of a summer-style thunderstorm. And joining us now, well, first of all, we got Tim Ferruzzi on the line, and also Brent Gant of the Whitehall Manor Apex uh, Community. You're from the Homeowners Association, am I correct? That's right. All right. And Brent, tell me what is going on in your, your community. Well, thanks for the opportunity to, to talk about this. Yeah. Um, our community, Whitehall Manor, is about 195 homes, about a mile south of downtown Apex. And in the last couple of years, the town has uh, informed us and um, presented plans to us to build a um, – they're building a loop road around the community. And part of the loop that we're near is going to have a about a 30-foot-tall bridge that is going to cross the, uh, one of the intersecting roads as well as some railroad tracks to connect the loop. And so some community uh, residents in our community are going to have a 30-foot wall right on their uh, property line in, the, in their backyard. We're going to describe how close in just a moment, but the loop road, am I correct, is the Apex Peakway. Yes, named for the town. The, the, the peak of good living is sure. the town slogan. And so they call and the, it the Peakway, and it's meant to... Um, Bypassing the traffic that's on um, NC55, which is a, a north-south road that goes to RTP. Yeah. And so the point is to divert some of that traffic that would maybe go, going right through the middle of the, of the town yeah. through this loop road. And so the t- it's a high priority for the town, my, uh, I've heard, that this loop road be completed. It's just that our residents uh, are frustrated and concerned about this, this big uh, bridge and wall behind their, behind their backyard. How close will this be? to the closest homeowner? So it's right on their property line, and our community is uh, probably a quarter to a third of an acre lot. And so yeah. uh, in some of their backyards, maybe 50 feet, if not closer, there's going to be a 30-foot wall. So you can imagine their concerns with privacy and obviously the view, the, um, the noise yeah. that will be created, all these things they're, they're very concerned about with their homes. When you just said 50 feet, do you mean 50 feet from the home or 50 feet from the property line? No, no. From the maybe the home and the back deck, 50 feet, and then 
a 30-foot-tall uh, wall at that point. It's going to block out the sun. Late enough uh, in the day, it's going to cause shade. Have yeah, they considered sound? Yeah, um, they're concerned about that, the sound, too. I mean, um, the neighbor, we've talked to the neighbor and some of the town council about it, and they said some of the, the tire noise, if they build the uh, bridge correctly mm-hmm. and to mitigate some of this noise, they may, it may bounce up from the, uh, the road up into the sky instead of into their backyard. Um, I'm yeah. not sure the, the residents, I think maybe they want to see that to believe that kind of um, explanation because it's awfully co- close and awfully high to their, their houses. Okay, so now this is something long considered, but it's going into the backyards of people who are already living there. Yeah, um, so the neighborhood is about uh, maybe 20 years old in the planning, and the houses in that uh, section of the neighborhood yeah, probably built around 2002 to 2005 in that time frame. Okay. Um, and the road has been planned for a long time, but... Um, okay, so yeah. second of all, the neighborhood, like much much of Apex, has had a pretty high turnover of houses. Our uh, property manager talks about maybe twenty percent of the homes every year turnover, and so it's a it's a very popular price point, I think, for Apex. Yeah. So a lot of new residents, but even the ones that were there, um, they thought this road was going to be built kind of at grade, crossing the road and the railroad tracks. Yeah. And um, they had to dig into the town website to find this rail agreement that was signed after these homes were built, but back in like 2005, yeah. that agreed that the, the road would be built either below or above grade, not at grade. And I don't think any of the homeowners really realized that there had been agreement with the railroad in the, in the state of North Carolina and the town to build this road above or below, because if they had known, I think there'd be a lot more concern about the residents in that section of the neighborhood. I'm curious to hear from listeners either now or in the next few hours or any Sunday here or Saturday here on Making Your Home Great about similar situations. Because, Brent, I told you my parents had a, uh, at home that where they put a, a, uh, an exit, uh, an exit ramp, like a cloverleaf behind them. And you're, you're absolutely right that, you know, you could, in theory, the, the sound might not be might not be significant, but uh, you know the vehicles are there. Um, wh- right. What's the what's the speed limit? Is this going to be a thirty-five mile per hour road? Thirty-five. Uh, obviously, when you build a, a very tall bridge like this, there's going to be a pretty steep slope leading yeah. up to the bridge. It's actually, unfortunately, it's one of the high points of the neighborhood, and so um, that's why the residents, when the town presented options to us, options to us uh, a couple years ago, there were two options that went below the road and the train tracks, and one yeah. that went above. Yeah, but uh, the price was different. the The bridge that went above was about ten million, they said, and the other two options were twenty and twenty five million. And we had a feeling at that point that that's a really bad sign. A town that maybe is rightfully worried about fiscal considerations, yeah, are going to go with option that's quite a bit cheaper. But the the safety, as far as uh, the nightmare scenario, I think from our neighbors is that there's a lot of kids in that area, yeah, and that a car will avoid a stop car or avoid an animal and careen right off the, the bridge into their backyards where their kids are playing. I mean, that's, that's, that's their nightmare. But they're really concerned about safety and the noise, like I said, and the view. And um, they're a little bit unsure about exactly how much their property values may be affected. Aha! Uh-huh. No, you're hey, getting down hey, to it now. Hey, hey Brent, <laughs> uh, 
how many houses will actually be on the uh, be affected directly with this uh, large wall in the backyard? Um, I believe about seven or eight. I I would need to look yeah. at the map, and I don't have that in front of yeah. me. But seven or eight, um, and the HOA, even though the community is about two hundred homes, these seven or eight homeowners, and then several in the vicinity that will see the bridge. Where we've been trying to fight this bridge plan to mm-hmm. kind of have their backs to support them, as well as our own concern is all the other houses about traffic that may be diverted, as well as property values of our own that may be hit. Yeah, you know, I'd always thought I'd always been told that the railroads always had first right, uh, and so that surprises me that you say that they thought that they could do what they needed with the railroad system because I'd always known that you had to work around a railroad unless they were discontinuing those tracks. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I've always been told. And Yeah, the, the mayor and town council talked to us about how when they planned our neighborhood 20 years ago, they, they didn't expect quite as much growth as they've been having in Apex and probably expected the railroad to work with them a little bit closer and be more friendly to allow mm-hmm. them to build this uh, crossing at grade, but when they came down to the agreement, they were unable to convince the railroad to to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, now, now wait a minute. This is this is the same town with the most obtrusive, lowest railroad bridge I've seen in a long time, where you actually, in a decent rainstorm, you get the huge puddles up underneath. Now, it's, this is not the same exact area. But so, I'm saying, you know, this... I think what you're talking about is that really old railroad thing yeah. on NC-55. Right. Um, part part of the issue is that the railroad company, I think they're being very difficult to work with, both in our our situation as well as that one, where yeah. they don't want to put any money or any effort into um, improving the bridges or helping communities build aggregate crossings when they really need to to avoid hurting their homeowners. Yeah. And so um, that bottleneck that is formed in that puddle area... Um, I think has heightened the need for this loop road to be built. Yeah. And a lot of the neighbors, you know, if, if they say, well, you wouldn't need this loop road quite as much. And I think a lot of the neighbors want it connected, just not with a 30-foot tall bridge. But yeah. you wouldn't need that road connected as, as um, urgently if they would expand the NC-55 and expand that railroad bridge. Is the but, Apex Peakway Bridge going to be over railroad tracks or Salem Street? It's both. It's going to span both both uh, the road and the track. Okay. And that's why it has to be so large and has to start so far away from the track is to be right. able to span both those roads and that the road and the track one, together. One of the one of the problems also with going underground is is water issues. Yeah. Uh, it seems yes, it I've, seems to me like it seems to me like DOT. I've seen that happen in different scenarios where they actually buy properties that might be directly affected, like the ones right along the wall, and then they have the option to resell those at a later time, maybe in an auction for a lesser price. Yeah. You know, you know that way the person that's already there doesn't really lose money. So the yeah. DOT yeah. buys the property and turns around, auctions it back off when the project's done, and then the, the new buyer knows what they have. Well, the way the mayor and the town council have um, discussed the future of that is that not really that they'll buy up any of the properties, but that they will do an assessment before the bridge is built, and then if, it's, if that is what they do, and yep. then afterwards. And the difference in the price 
or if the other houses have gone up in price, then those houses have kind of remained steady. Uh, hopefully they're going up, I guess. <laughs> Brent, I, we've, get, we've got to right. hand things Different. over to the news department in just a moment. But, Brent, thank okay. you very much. Feed me the website, please, for your group. Oh, I, I'd be more than happy to. Okay, it's nopeakwaybridge.com. No? And on, yes. Nopeakwaybridge.com. Thank you. And I on appreciate that it. site, uh, we have some information about the town plans. Both the former neighbors, we have an online petition. We've got to go because it's news. The council. Okay, thank you very much. News time at 2.30, News Radio 680 WPTF. Well, it's time for a bit of construction industry news. You may uh, uh, you may find this is uh, not hard to uh, not hard to believe. Guess what group is a major um, a major uh, group in terms of new home ownership immigrants, uh, according to uh, this report from our friends at uh, who is this ULI? Don't know who they are, but they're. Uh, housing choices in San Francisco, Buffalo, and Minneapolis and Charlotte suggest a trend a trend among immigrants to buy homes. Uh, beyond that, according to Realtor.com, the American public is taking out the largest mortgages on record. High prices, but that's not just the only thing. Sure, houses are becoming more expensive, and therefore there are higher prices. But the median down payment is way down. Last year, people put down 10% as on average. Um, and uh, otherwise, on a construction site called Construction Dive, they say that shoppers want ranch homes, big backyards, and a big version of this room. Tim Ferruzzi joins us. Uh, Tim Ferruzzi uh, from Handy Helpers and... Uh, Highland Residential Roofing. What room do they want bigger, Tim? What room do people want bigger? Yep. New shoppers of homes want this particular room to be bigger. Hmm. Oh, not God. the living room. Not the living room. Yeah, maybe the master bedroom or the kitchen. Kitchen. They want yep. big kitchens. And apparently people who, over the age of 45 in the survey done by Realtor.com People over the age of 45 wanted a big private backyard. Lots of extra room. I don't know why. It's the uh, Clint Eastwood effect. Get off my backyard. So, Tim, what uh, what's on your mind this week? We were going to go shift gears and go to Dr. Ken Alstrom of Economy Exterminators, but we haven't heard from him yet. We're going to try to get in touch with him. What's on your mind? Well, uh, what are we going to talk about next week, by the way? Have we got any guests on next week? Uh, we are going to have some guests on next week. I can't guarantee anybody okay. uh, to be on next week. But I've got a, a couple of irons in the fire, including somebody who is a, a mortgage expert to talk and loan expert, going to talk about borrowing money to improve your home. Like a, well, I think, I think next week what we should probably yeah. talk about is uh, – Roofing, and uh, you know, we can offer a 50 year warranty on your new roof, right? Uh, HighlandRoofingNC.com. So, we'll go into that and, and what type of uh, 
systems are used to give you that 50-year warranty on your new roof. Right. But to, to th- today, I'd like to focus a little bit more on the foundations we were talking about earlier on sure. putting when you have foundation issues. Um, so we we recently done a uh, job in Havelock, North Carolina, where it was a little old house that was uh, taken out of the military base um, over in Havelock and moved into a residential area. Yeah. And these were probably old barracks that were built in the 20s or 30s, and then they relocated them into a private area. Yeah. So it's a fairly small home, and so she called us, and she was a referral uh, by a couple that we did some roofing work and some other work for in um, in Apex. Right. So it's a, it's a family relative, so I go to Havelock and, and take a look at it, and her floor is sagging between her master bedroom and her, her bathroom. Right. So uh, what we've done is uh, we cut a hole through our bathroom floor. We've gone under the house, and we've installed three footings. So essentially what we've done is gone under the house, dug out three deep holes, and uh, we don't go with the minimum uh, encode, which would be require about a six-inch deep yeah. by 16 by 16 or 20 by 20-inch Footing, we go deeper than six inches. You've got to go at least to the frost line or deeper. We've gone in a foot and a half to two feet deep into the ground and at least 16 by 16 in in um, perimeter, length of length times width, and dug those holes under the floor in a line, three of them, probably yeah. four feet apart, Yeah, and we've poured concrete. And you took it. You took a sagging floor, and you really well, we, reinforced it. What we've done is we've gone down to the the ground. Yeah, we've dug the holes. Yep. under the crawl space, filled them with concrete. Now they'll sit for about thirty days. We're going to let them cure up. We put the bathroom floor back together, and so we'll come back in thirty days, or now it'll be about twenty days, and we'll at that point jack it up. Mm-hmm. And we'll put in heavy lumber, treated lumber, and we'll jack up that area. Now, there may be some cracks and things that happen, but we'll help get the bow out of the floor. Yeah. And at least we'll stop it from continuing. All right. And we've done, we've done this type of job dozens and dozens of times where we've added piers and footings under a house in certain locations. And we've also done perimeters where we've gone in and dug under the existing footing of the house on the entire perimeter or on a corner of a house or half the house and put in every four feet, uh, we dig down three feet and do a, about an 18 by 18 inch hole, three feet deep, rebar, 4,000 PSI concrete, and basically add a anchor or tooth below that existing footing every four feet. Because some of these footings are failing because of the soil or maybe just not done properly or the things we talked about earlier. So this actually supports it every four feet so the footing that's there can stay and you've you've supported it every four feet now by going down into the ground three feet. Tim Ferruzzi from Handy Helpers and Highland Residential Roofing. Um, we're going to give more contact information for Tim later on uh, in the show. And we also have heard from Dr. Ken Alstrom, 
about this bed bug issue in Moore County. If you're a Moore County parent, stay with us. And if you're not, you're still going to learn um, how you can remediate this situation if it hits your school district or your, your hometown or even your bed. Coming up next on Making Your Home Great, News Radio 680, WPTF. Same weather forecast today and tomorrow, sunny and a high near 83. It is 82 with a real feel of 84. News Radio 680 WPTF, making your home great with Tim Ferruzzi and Dave Alexander. News Radio 680 WPTF. And joining us is Dr. Ken Alstrom of Economy Exterminators. And Dr. Ken, thank you for joining us. You bet. How you doing, Dave? Good. All right. Here's the situation. Moore County Schools, an elementary school, I'm guessing a couple of hundred kids. It's West Pine Elementary. For a couple of hundred kids, you got a couple of hundred book bags. And the school has bed bugs. Yeah, I read about that in the news. Uh, So I think it was a thing on WREL-TV about that. Now, Dr. Ken, it's um, if the... If the school, and of course they banned backpacks over this. Well, I can understand why. Yeah, you can understand why. I've got to, I've got to, I look at things a little bit differently. They have now sent home all those backpacks, which may or may not have bed bugs. That's true. The the backpacks they're coming from home is probably with, with bed bugs. And... They go to school and then they come back. Now they've de- they've gone through the school more than once. A month ago, they tried to resolve this. What is it about bed bugs that makes it so hard? These things they're they're very good at hide, finding hiding places uh, during the day. Yeah, uh, they're generally nocturnal, coming out to feed at night, and uh, they squeeze into the tightest places. Uh, they can be up underneath the de- if they're in the if they're in the school. They can be underneath the desk. Yeah, in uh, screw holes, uh, any place that uh, they can come out at night and, and and get a blood meal. Of course, the students aren't going to be there during the day. Yeah, during the night. So yeah. uh, these book bags are probably uh, they probably infested with uh, students coming from home. So there are probably some homes that have bed bugs there in in Moore County. Yes, uh, with the students at the school. So uh, the best thing to do is take those book bags and and throw them in the dryer on high heat for about uh, half an hour. Yeah. I was told that for my, the little rugs that my dogs sleep on when they started to get fleas. Is this is this pretty much standard for uh, for uh, things you can put in the dryer? If you yeah, run it for yeah. that long, it'll it'll kill the bugs. Yeah, because if you put it on high heat, it's going to get up to a little, probably over a hundred, well over a hundred degrees, probably one hundred and twenty degrees. Yeah, and this is probably, at one hundred and twenty degrees that will kill bed bugs. All right, now about the school. They've, they've tried it once. They're going to try it again. My understanding is there's no school this week or, the, you know, this coming week. Right. I think they're on spring break. So what do you suppose they're doing inside the school? Well, I, I imagine they're going to be putting a chemical treatment down. And I did understand from the article that they were going to do some heat treatment in the rooms. Uh, I've heard that there may be two rooms that were infested, uh, but four students, I think they identified as having the bed bugs. And I'm not sure which rooms they were in, but... Uh, heat treating those rooms uh, is going to is probably going to be the most effective way to do it. It's going to bring in heaters, raise the temperature to uh, probably 135 degrees for a period of time. Uh, yeah. 
probably more than an hour, maybe two or three hours, uh, which will kill all stages of bed bugs, eggs, larvae, and the adults. And hopefully the, the bed bugs are really, you know, that's not really a good environment for them to be in because the, uh, they're not coming out, they're not finding a blood meal at night. So generally they're going to be coming from the kids, the book bags. And so the, the best thing to do would be to have the, the parents at home start checking their, their bedrooms uh, for bed bugs. Yeah. And this would involve uh, checking the mattress. Uh, look, 75% of the bed bugs are going to be found in the vicinity of the mattress, box springs, and the bed frame. Are these really small? The larvae, uh, the nymphs, uh, when they first hatch out, the eggs are about a tenth of an inch long, and the larvae are very small. But uh, the adult bed bugs are going to be about, an, uh, oh, maybe a quarter of an inch long by an eighth inch wide, reddish brown. Yeah. Kind of look like they have layers of uh, segments. Yeah. And kind of uh, kind of roundish, and as they feed, they elongate. So they're 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 visible. They're they're not like mites that. Uh, difficult to see. They're they're pretty obvious to see. All right. This is Dr. Ken Alstrom from Ex- Economy Exterminators. We are starting to talk about bed bugs. What about other things? Uh, does this start the flea season? Fleas have probably started now with the warm weather coming out. Uh, of course, the, the problem with the, in North Carolina, we never really get any very cold temperatures here to uh, to kill the uh, the fleas that are living outside and the eggs, they do probably overwinter as eggs. And now with the warm weather and the animals or pets are getting outside, uh, the fleas are going to become active. Is it possible to just wipe out the fleas in my backyard and my front yard? Uh, it'd be pretty hard to do unless uh, you put up a 30-foot wall. <laughs> and I, I just was listening. You to can do that. About a 30-foot wall. We're going to do that in Apex. Where that's what they're <laughs> going to call it, the flea wall. Yeah. All right, so it's inconceivable that I can, in some way, kill all those bugs. No, there's no, no way. The uh, fleas can crawl up over the wall. Yeah. Uh, you've, got, you've got other animals coming through your yard at night, uh, you know, rabbits, uh, coyotes probably. I'm not sure if they're, they're coyotes, Deer. I think, in the area. But, but they're, they're fleas, yeah. and they're going to drop around. They're going to drop and wait on the ground until something comes by that they can jump on. Yes. So what kind of calls are you getting this time of year, Dr. Ken Alstrom? Generally, we're mainly getting uh, calls about ants. Uh, oh, really? People are being inundated with ants, so odorous house ants, uh, little black ants. Uh, and uh, carpenter bees, we're starting to get calls on carpenter bees. Uh, they've been very active. And uh, things are just starting to, as weather warmest things are really starting to pick up. Can I get rid of carpenter bees and be sensitive to the honeybees that I really like? Yeah, because uh, generally the, the uh, carpenter bees are going to be very localized. You're not going to be doing a general broadcast spraying. Uh, you locate the holes where the, the carpenter bees are working. Uh, get a bee and wasp killer spray. You can, I think, Raid makes one. And uh, notice where you can uh, identify where the holes are. And if you see the, the bee going in and out of it, you know that's an active hole. And then after dark or at dusk, go go out there with your can of uh, Raid and uh, spray the hole. The bee's going to start buzzing, and it's probably going to drop out of the hole. But uh, if it's dark, they're not going to chase you. They're not very aggressive. And uh, you can either plug the hole with some aluminum foil or just leave it open and leave the, let the uh, insecticide-soaked wood uh, sit there for a while because if any, any bees come in to try and chew on that, that's going to be poisonous to them. 
Dr. Ken, we had a, a, an interesting phone call last uh, week from a woman who was concerned about the level of pesticides that are kind of being suggested as broad, you called it broadcast, uh, you know, spreading uh, in, in people's yards. Within the, the extermination industry, is that a concern? Are we looking at that? We are, all the materials that we use at Economy, and I'm sure that this is going to be the same with most uh, exterminating companies, they're all, we're using the, uh, chemicals and, and pesticides that have been approved by EPA yeah. and, and meet EPA standards. And there's, uh, you know, we're not putting out DDT or anything like that. It's, uh, these are all EPA approved uh, chemicals and from, uh, it's, on, it's on the EPA to, to judge if there's, if there's going to be a problem with the environment. Yeah. Tim Ferruzzi is with us. Tim, you got a question for Dr. Ken? Well, yeah, I was actually going to ask the same question. So the yards that are getting uh, the mosquito sprays on that. In fact, my neighbor was doing it uh, yesterday. They yeah. had the guy in here just spraying for 20, 25 minutes, just spraying down all the bushes and everything. Uh, what what are what kind of chemical is that, and and what how does that how does that work? Yeah, I'm uh, Tim. I, I I wish I knew what they. I, I it's some. I believe it's a pyrethroid of some sort, which is quick acting pesticide. Uh, generally, and they're spraying the foliage. They're not spraying. We're trying to stay away from flowering plants because the right. honeybees are on those. Right. And they only we only go up, uh, and we do it here at Economy too. We also I think we go up about fifteen feet and down, yeah. and that's and just cover the, uh, the the foliage. We do we do not we try to avoid and we try definitely try to avoid anything flowering because we don't want yeah. to harm the honeybees. Yeah. And does that affect the birds? It should not because this thing is a very microscopic, uh, it's almost an aerosol, very small droplets. And I imagine if there was a, uh, like a, when you see a uh, boat coming into harbor with this, uh, with a tumble spraying a big hose full of water and the bird flew through it, I'm sure it would have an effect on it. But with this is a very fine mist and it has no effect. So when it when it kills the mosquitoes, um, I mean, does it kill them instantaneously? Is it how does it actually kill mosquitoes? It's uh, it interrupts uh, their metabolism, and they'd yeah. be dead probably within uh, a minute or two. Another two days? Uh, no, uh, one or two minutes. Oh, one or two minutes they, they kill them. Yeah, okay. it's, very, it's very it's very quick acting. Uh, if they get coat, they it, uh, if they're resting on the foliage and underneath the foliage, and it gets in contact with their body, it's going to affect their, their uh, metabolism and uh, kill them. And I would I would guess I have not really had any experience with it, but I would guess probably within just within a few minutes that they're going to be dying. So is it, is it bats that eat a lot of mosquitoes, or birds, or both? Yeah, bats. Uh, bats eat a lot of mosquitoes, okay. and of course, if the, if the mosquitoes are dead, they're not going to be flying around. So sure. the bats are going right. to have right. right. So, right. Right. but we're not going to we're not going to kill every mosquito that's out there. That's uh, just impossible. If uh, if your if your neighbor is spraying them or is, is doing a mosquito treatment, uh, and next your next the neighbor next to him is not, there's a harborage for mosquitoes there. So they're just going to be moving back and forth. I was going to say, so they, the fellow said that this stuff lasts 21 days, roughly. You spray every 21 days? Yes, that's what I understand also. So are mosquitoes, uh, I'd ask uh, the gentleman if they were territorial. What? Why is it that you are able to protect your yard 
where the neighbor, I guess your neighbor gets some effects of that. But is it because they're territorial or it's just they don't go far from their home? They just, they don't go, yeah, they don't go very far from when they, from the source where they were, uh, source of water where they were, where they developed. Yes. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Dr. Ken, we need some contact information because frankly, people are going to want to call you about this. Um, the company is Economy Exterminators. What's our website? The website is uh, economyexterminators.com. Oh, good for you. Yeah, www.economyexterminators, all one word, dot com. And our telephone number is 919-362-1000. Yes. 362-1000. Dr. Ken, you've been very helpful to us. I appreciate it. Let me just ask you, when people talk to you, Often, do you notice them scratching more than they they would ordinarily? <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta admit, I was I was going yeah. to town during the bed bug description. Yeah, I have a tendency to do that to people. <laughs> All right, you're a good guy. Thank you, Doctor Ken. You're welcome, Dave. Doctor Ken Alstrom, talking about bed bugs in Moore County, mosquitoes in your backyard. And how to make your home great. One way you make your home great is make them more livable. And if you're in Moore County schools, and if, especially if you're that West Pine Elementary, Dr. Ken's prescription for you and for your child's book bag is not chemicals, but go ahead and throw that book bag. And by the way, I, I'd throw the jacket, too, in the dryer and let it run for a good period of time. Hey, Ken, where, uh, I mean, uh, Dave, where's Moore County again? Where what is Moore? Oh, my gosh. You had to what ask cities me. are in Moore County? You're asking me a geography question? Yes. I can't. <laughs> you could have asked me, like, a little while ago, and I'd have had, I'd have had the information. There's a, hundred, there's a hundred counties in North Carolina. Is that right? Or 50 counties? There's yeah. a lot of counties, I guess. There are a hundred. Yeah, um, hundred. So. Moore County, North Carolina. This is. Yeah. You're asking a guy who sounds like me to tell where Moore County is. Located, let's see. Well, that was your The turn county seat is Carthage. County seat Carth- is Carthage. Carthage. Cabin okay. Creek, Long Branch, Buffalo Creek, Butler Branch. Those are the rivers, sorry. News Radio 680 WPTF, making your home great. 919-860-9783, 919-860-9783. Eight six zero nine seven eight three is the telephone number. If you wanna, you wanna pick Tim's brain about your house. Tim is the uh, owner of Handy Helpers Remodeling and Highland Residential Roofing. I would uh, check out the websites if you, if you'd like to handyhelpers.com and highlandroofingnc.com. Good afternoon, Tim. How you hey. doing? Hey, good, good. Good. So uh, I'd like to do some further conversation about what people can do to alleviate uh, foundation uh, issues or structural issues. That's a good idea. First of all, how am I going to know? Because I, well, I, I opened up your one sheet. You've got a nice thing you, you sent to me. Yeah. How do I know when I've got some foundation issues? Well, start by walking around the outside of the house. If you get a chance at the bottom, the bottom three feet of it. And just see if you see any cracks in your brick or in your stucco or, or block walls. And, um, you know, maybe take pictures of those. 
email them to somebody that's maybe in the business. I would, you could even email them to me, and I could take a look at them that way, or or have somebody visit and take a look. If you start seeing cracks that look like they're stair stepped type, or they're very large gaps, yeah. or you see like maybe a corner of your house kind of pulling away from the outside, uh, that's not a good sign. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we spend more more time inside our houses than we do outside, so look for cracks in the floor, look for separations, look for cracks in the moldings around your doors, your windows, your corners. Um, and if you see them uh, widening and widening, then obviously, you know, or, or more and more. I looked at a job uh, two years ago for a, a woman that lived in an $850,000 house in uh, Cary, and uh, it was fairly new. I think she's only been there four or five years. And um, it it appeared to me, based on uh, my assessment, that the whole bottom back corner of her home was slipping away. Really? What, what, what a sickening feeling. And she had been talking to the developers, engineers. She even brought out some... Uh, the engineers that uh, originally worked on it, but also some engineers that deal with uh, geological type stuff yeah. and had them make some assessments and had some structural work done. And uh, prior to me arriving, and then when I arrived, I, I noticed that some of the piers that she had already had corrected that were eight feet tall or seven feet tall, however tall, were already starting to lean again under the house because things were continuing to move. When you say the pier is that tall, did, was she on a grade? Was the house built on a hill? Well, yes, yes, which is very common in the triangle. Yeah. You know, and then we also have clay, a lot of clay uh, in the triangle, and uh, that's why water control is so important. Right. Uh, you know, I'm in the gutter business, and um, putting up the right gutters and having them uh, downspouted out away from the house even piped away from the house is critical, a very critical item. I think people don't give gutters enough uh, enough uh, foresight in, in their evaluation. They commoditize them, but gutters are just almost just as important as your roof and your foundation, and all this obviously is kind of related. So uh, make sure your gutters are working properly. Make sure you have gutters. Make sure you have the right size gutters. Again, that's something that I or another professional can come assess and and tell you uh, what situations you might have. Um, things you can do around the house: um, caulking the windows. Uh, you know, if you on the outside of your house you have moldings and siding that run into the moldings and windows and doors, caulking all those gaps uh, that need to be caulked so water doesn't get behind there. Yeah. Often, often you'll see structural damage around doors at the bottoms of doors so doing some simple things like that can stop uh issues putting a wax ring around your to your toilet they have to be changed every so often you have to pull your toilet up and put down a new wax ring so you don't have bathroom uh rot. so if you start putting your feet around the toilet and find on the floor that is very soft or starting to, to lean you've got yeah. problems or if you get that unusual bouncy feeling well, you you have that. Some of that's original construction. Really? I see, I, I, yep. I see some of these houses where they um, they had two the spans were a little too far. Maybe 
they're getting too much moisture under the house where it's affected the structural beams and and it's not quite rotted, but it's weakened and the the weight of what's maybe in the home has started to help everything sag and then yeah. you can start getting some bouncing or just straight out sagging. And we'll talk about more things that, you know, during, I know we've got some commercial breaks coming up, but we can continue to talk about more things that you can do as a homeowner or building owner yourselves that will help alleviate and what you can look for to make sure you're not having to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. It's uh, Tim Ferruzzi of Handy Helpers Remodeling and Highland Residential Roofing. If you have a question right now, call 919-860-9783. If you have a question that's better answered uh, otherwise, you know, off air, that's all right. Can I give out the number now, Tim? Yeah, um, my direct number, uh, our office number is 919-676-5969. 919-676-5969. All righty. Of course, emailing, going yeah. to our websites and emailing is always good, handyhelpers.com and Highland Residential Roofing, uh, Highland, Highland NC, highlandroofingnc.com, sorry. I got it, highlandroofingnc.com. Yep. And if you get, you know, it's funny, because I always congratulate people, for instance, the Last hour, we had uh, uh, Dr. Ken Alstrom. EconomyExterminators.com is their website, and their company is Economy Exterminators. Yep. But it's hard to get the website for your own company sometimes. Well, Handy um, Helpers, I started 31 years ago, so luckily yeah. I got HandyHelpers.com very early when the dot-com started. And if you go to the wrong Highland Roofing you don't get Tim. You get some guy in the Highlands of Scotland. So don't, he can't help you. He can't help you with it. All right, more with uh, Tim Ferruzzi and myself, Dave Alexander. Any questions you have, call us up, 919-860-9783. 919-860-9783. Coming up on this show, Steve Poirier of Go Realty. And he's going to tell you how hot the housing market is in the triangle. That's coming up on this show. Making your home great. News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. The AccuWeather forecast is beautiful. Thank you very much for asking. A sunshine with just a few clouds. Today's high in the 80s, pretty much where we are now. Overnight low near 62. Then tomorrow, a carbon copy of today. Even the high temperature of 83 is the same. And then for Monday, increasing clouds and a chance of a thunderstorm in the afternoon. 70s and 80s this week. Right now it's 83 with a real feel of 82. At News Radio 680 WPTF. Uh, we've had some uh, some good moments on this week's show. If you've got some, if you missed some of the interviews, including uh, Brent Gant of the Whitehall Manor uh, Homeowners Association about that big bridge being planned at the back of the subdivision, go to WPTF.com and you, you'll find something that says hosts. And then you click on that, you find Making Your Home Great, which is the name of the show you're listening to. Tim Ferruzzi, Dave Alexander, on the radio in just a few minutes, industry news from construction. 
Tim, more about cons- uh, the uh, foundation issues. Foundation issues. So we were talking about the bathroom and and toilets or water closets, as they're properly called. Yes, sir. Uh, if you see any, if you see any discoloration around the the uh, vinyl on the floor, or the hardwood floor, or tiles cracking, yeah. anything like that, the floor soft around that, then you've got some kind of issue with either the wax ring or the supply uh, a supply line leaking uh, there. Another uh, big area in bathrooms is the uh, areas right next to the showers or tubs. So often when we're taking showers or some people in the family are taking showers, they uh, they allow water to go outside of the uh, shower curtain on the door, or the shower door. So yeah. On some occasions, then it gets on the floor and it just sits. And um, a lot of times, you'll see rot right in the corner there on the floor where the tub or the shower meet uh, together. So, good thing to do there is obviously do some preventive maintenance by. Uh, try to make sure that water doesn't get on the floor. And if you do have situations where it's just unavoidable, heck, just get a, one of your old rags or old towels or whatever and just throw it in that corner uh, while the shower's being taken and just take it and throw it in the dirty clothes. Let it dry out, obviously. Not, don't put it in there soaking wet, but just try to make sure that you don't have water continually accumulating there and just sitting there Obviously, doing some caulking around those areas is always a good thing, but make sure you clean them real good, clean them out, get rid of any mold and mildew. Um, typically, that's not so much of an issue around the tub where the surround or the walls of the tub or shower meet. Yeah, It's, it's where the floor and the tub or shower, because usually behind a, there's a fin behind a tub um, or a shower before it goes up on a wall. So people say, well, should I caulk that? Really, the only reason you ever want to caulk that crack between those two is because of um, mold and just cleanliness parts of it. As far as moisture getting behind where the tub and the walls meet there, the shower walls or tub walls, that's almost never happened. Uh, now, if you've got tile that's not being take, taken care of as your walls, uh, and you've got loose grout and things like that, then that has to be addressed. So all this stuff contributes to structural damage. You'll see a lot of structural damage in bathrooms just because of the nature of what it is. You're dealing with water. Uh, the other thing that you need to be aware of is sometimes you'll have a leak in your your shower, your wall, or your tub wall, and you may not even know it, uh, whether it be maybe a frozen pipe down right below, and it's been spraying for three or four months. I saw one of those about a week and a half ago. Yeah. Um, or you just have a slow leak in the wall where you that you don't even know about, and hopefully you have an access panel behind your your uh, your shower plumbing or your tub plumbing to where you can pop out that little door and take a look in there, just make sure there's no water. Or for some of your braver people, you can go into the house. Um, and 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 if if that's not your thing, you maybe have your a termite contract with with somebody like Ken, and they go into your house at least once a year and do moisture readings and and check on things to make sure you don't have any issues. Um, but bathrooms are a very high traffic area for uh, structural damage as well as kitchens. If yeah. you've got uh, if you ever open up your cabinet in your bathroom or your kitchen and you notice. 
that you've got discoloration on the base of your cabinet where all your chemicals and your bags or your trash can are, and you start seeing some water or moisture, yep. then that means you may have a, a, a leak uh, in your drain line or your maybe your sprayer for your uh, kitchen or maybe your kitchen faucet uh, itself is leaking, and um, you'll get structural damage under your house from that. Yeah. So those are some of the main areas. And doors, patio doors, front doors, they're notorious for having structural damage under them because maybe you don't have a cover or a porch, so you're getting, you, when the weather hits that the bottom of that door, mm-hmm. uh, maybe accumulates on an open porch that has no roof over it, and just time after time, year after year, the water just keeps going under that door under that patio door sliding door and ends up rotting out all of that down below on the on the rim board or main sill or main band, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and there again, you have structural damage. So you just have to look for these things and pay attention, and it will save you a lot of money. Tim, should my back deck literally be attached to the foundation, or does it... Freestand. I'm asking you to to tell me about a construction of a deck you've never seen. But the the flip side of it is, I'm going to replace the the boards. Should there be some sort of slant to it? Um, not necessarily. Um, most decks, I believe, the building code allows you to build up to the house. Uh, freestanding obviously is the best way to go if you can free free uh, have a freestanding deck that maybe looks like it's attached, and you can do that with the floorboards that make it look like it's attached, but the actual band is off the house yeah. an inch. That's always the ideal way to do it, but that's a little bit more costly uh, way of doing it. You're allowed to attach to the house, but you have to have a piece of flashing back behind uh, that that band connector that connects into the house. Um, and, of course, it has to be uh, secured very well with galvanized, uh, fasteners or, or carriage bolts, lags, uh, but that flashing, that metal flashing, actually stops water from being able to get into the main structure of your house because you will have obviously uh, decks catch water if they're not covered. The water bounces back towards the house, towards yep. the doors, and then of course those areas where they adjoin can become big problems. So. Um, Code requires that there be metal flashing of some kind uh, that separates that band of the deck at the connection of the house. And um, but obviously, if you can do a freestanding deck, which requires more structural work, the reason it's cheaper to have a deck that's connected to the house is because that side of the deck is structurally connected to an already structurally sound house. Hopefully, yeah. So you, you save money by building a deck that way. But ideally, if money wasn't an issue, a freestanding deck that looks like it's attached is the better way. Can we call you for deck issues? Yeah, yeah. We don't build a lot of decks. Uh, we, we found ourselves uh, not being able to compete with homeowners that, that build decks, and, and that's usually a, a, on you know smaller decks, lower-level decks. Or, yeah. uh, a lot of times, homeowners will try to build those themselves. So we, we're not very competitive in the deck arena, yeah. um, but we can surely come out and take a look at any structural issues that may, for instance, today we're working on a 
project in, in Durham, one of the projects we're working on today. Um, uh, the relocation company is buying the house from the homeowner, mm-hmm. and they had an inspector come out, and they wanted to make sure that the deck they have on the back of the house had footings under the, the post. So we had the guys, and they had a laundry list of other things to be done on the property that we've addressed as well today. So we had to actually dig down to the base of the posts on this house, at least one of them, to confirm that there was a footing put in the ground before the post was put in. And that's, again, because you want to make sure that your deck doesn't move, that it's sound. Yeah. You know, we've had all these issues with decks and and deaths in the last 10 years. And so uh, the building code has really changed a lot with decks. And there was that incident in, um, it was along the ocean, but I couldn't tell you whether it was Myrtle Beach or Carolina Beach, where a deck had actually deteriorated, not because of the wood, but because of salt water on the hardware. Yep. That, and it's just a terrible thing. And who, I mean, I would have foreseen that. I wouldn't, I don't think about decks that much, but I would have thought, you know, what could go wrong to my second-story deck? And I would think, you know, something, uh, the screws and bolts rust, or at least yep. screws do. Yep. Um, and you got to put in the right but, stuff. But, 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 but there's a lot of people that, you know, out of sight, out of mind, maybe yeah. it's a rental property, Yep. Um, whatever the scenario is. And then, of course, then you get people that are out there partying on a deck, and they've got 30 people on a two-story deck. Yep. Only so big. That's not a good decision either. Yep. No matter how well the deck is built. Um, so you know, there's lots of considerations uh, in the way that uh, decks are built now because of that incident and many more incidents that have happened since. And I should mention this is one of the very few things that I actually paid attention to about some other structural issues. You know, I'm not I'm not the construction guy here. I'm just the radio guy. However, there's something called harmonics. Uh, if you served in the military, you know that you do not march in step with the other soldiers over a bridge, the, a wooden bridge. The reason you don't do this is because 200 guys marching across a wooden bridge can tear the bridge apart. Everybody in step. Well, guess what happens when you start dancing? You start stepping in step. And that's part of the reason people bring down these decks. Hey, listen. Never heard, of, never heard that. Yep, it's it it, it it the the rhythm of it. Think about it. How would you knock something down if you wanted to knock it down? You'd march in rhythm. You get a lot of weight bouncing on it. So all those North Koreans on the uh, TV that we see marching a step. If we had them dangerous marching on a bridge, that might solve our problem. It would. Yes, <laughs> that's an excellent idea. All right, coming up, we've got construction related news. Also, Steve Poirier of Go Realty about. The question, are we in a major buyer's market? He says, yeah. Coming up, News Radio 680 WPTF, making your home great. News Radio 680 WPTF from the news desk here at Making Your Home Great. Some construction industry news. Americans are now taking out the largest home mortgages on record, in part because homes are expensive. Uh, The Mortgage Banker Association does a weekly uh, data dump, and Wednesday they said that uh, 
Uh, we now have the largest home loans in the history of their research, which goes back to 1990. Oh, and by the way, the da- average down payment is now down to uh, 6 to 10%, not the traditional 20% that it used to be. Shoppers are looking for ranch, homes, big backyards, and big kitchens. Uh, among the top home ownership goals, according to constructiondive.com, privacy led the way. Buyers want, uh, buyers over 45 want a private backyard, and some people want a multi-car garage, kitchen, kitchens with the highest end appliances you can buy, outdoor kitchens, touchless faucets, and heated toilet seats. So if you're going to sell your house, you may want to get those things. And if you are going to sell your house, aim high. Uh, earlier today, I talked with Steve Poirier of Go Realty, and I asked Steve, are we in a buyer's market? We definitely are in a seller's market. Um, there is, within the Raleigh area, um, a tremendous lack of inventory and a lot of buyers that are looking for homes. Um, homes are selling very quickly right now and at a, at a at a good price point, um, in large part because uh, of the lack of, of inventory and, and buyers are, are really looking to buy homes um, in the area. Um, you know, a lot of the statistics show that um, you know, pricing is very good and that demand is, is high and continues to be high in the area. Uh, and it really is definitely a seller's market. What does this look like on the ground floor in the, on the, in the real estate Field are people snatching up properties fast? Are things spending a shorter amount of time on the market? Um, yes, um, definitely at um, lower price points. Um, there are a lot of people that are looking to get back in the market or buy for the first time, and are looking for good, solid homes to purchase in the area. Um, Anything in the you know, the three hundred and fifty thousand dollar and under category uh, is an area right now where there's tremendous demand. Uh, but as a seller, you really need to look at um, how to best position your home, um, how to um, market it correctly, because that really is where a seller is going to get the best price for their home is if they're able to market it correctly. Um, so, what does that look like? What does it look like when I've marketed it correctly? Really what that looks, so if you think about when somebody looks to buy a home, like on a a Saturday or Sunday morning, most people start their house search, they go online. They look on on Zillow or Trulia or Realtor.com. They're sitting there with their hot cup of coffee and they're perusing pictures. Uh, And generally most people decide whether they want to look at a home in 10 seconds or less online. So really what that means is a person is making a decision to buy the, probably the most important uh, the most important purchase of their life really within 10 seconds. So they're looking at is the house updated, is the house clean, well-maintained. They're looking at the, you know four to five pictures and they decide to move on and look at the next house or do they maybe call their realtor and say, I'm interested in looking at this house you know this, this weekend. Um, oh. So it really needs to be presented correctly online with professional photography and, and staging um, to make that house really presentable to a buyer. Is there anything that a, a typical homeowner should do Im- immediately as they make the decision that they're going to sell it? In, in other words, should I, should I put in new appliances? 
should I make sure that I've painted the entire house? Right. Those are the those are the critical things. You know, you have to look at it from kind of what you see and what the camera lens sees. Um, you know, are the the countertops you know cleaned off, and, and is there a lot of room on the countertops? Um, is the house got kind of neutral paint and, and looks updated? Um, you know, things that really turn off a buyer. A lot of them are really simple things. Uh, you may look at a picture of a house and there may be, you know, toys scattered all about or laundry scattered about in a spare bedroom. Those kind of things turn a buyer off because it says, hmm, maybe this house isn't well, well maintained. Um, or, you know, it doesn't quite appeal, you know, appeal to them. Um, you know, a well lighted, home that has some nice decor um, that looks warm and inviting in a picture says a lot to a buyer, and that's what so, they're looking for. So the same people who didn't wipe off their countertop before they took the pictures, what does the buyer think, well, that's the same person who didn't change the air filters or the mm-hmm. same person who, I mean, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, it is. And, you know, when when I when I show a buyer um, a house, when you first pull up to that front yard, you're looking to see is the house well maintained. Um, I I always look at what I call I'll look at the gutters. Um, have the gutters been cleaned? Oftentimes, you can see a house where there's pine needles you know, sticking out of the gutters. That shows what I what I call deferred maintenance. That somebody really isn't doing the things that they need to do to to maintain the house. And and we know from living in North Carolina. We get huge thunderstorms, and and we get a lot of rain uh, in the area. And what happens is those gutters back up and can cause potential, um, you know, leaks in the roof. Um, so you're looking at those types of things. You're looking at, you know, is the, the exterior painted? Is it well maintained? Does the yard look nice? Is it presentable? Those are the critical things to a buyer. All right, Steve, give me a a, a quick advertisement for you and for Go Realty. Sure. Um, so I'm a, a real estate agent with Better Homes and Gardens Realty. Um, our focus really, uh, when we're working with a client on the on the sell side, uh, we really focus on social media. We focus on staging and professional photography. Uh, for us, the critical pe- the critical part of listing a home uh, is really in that first presentation of the home. So that's what we focus on. Uh, we're also a full service broker. Um, we do pretty much everything uh, for that client to represent them from the beginning of the process all the way through to the end of the process. So when it comes to negotiation and those types of things, that's the critical part when we're working with a, with a client is really understanding why that client wants to sell their home, what it means to them, and presenting that in the best light to the buyer. Um, and then okay. the, the whole process um, all the way through to closing. Steve Poirier of Go Realty. How do we get in touch with you? Um, you can reach me um, via uh, my email address, which is stevep at gorealty.biz. Um, cell phone, which is 919-208-3979. Um, and my website, which is calltrianglehome.com. That's Steve Poirier of Go Realty and that website, calltriangle.com. And Tim Ferruzzi, he mentioned two or three things you do. He mentioned gutters. He mentioned cleaning them out. He mentioned uh, these are all the things we talked about last couple of weeks. Yep, he was. Well, he was talking about indicators. I think uh, there a second ago of what 
uh, of how well a, a house might be taken care of based on various things that you can see from the exterior. Do you ever get calls from people who just say, well, you know, I'm going to sell it and I, I need somebody to go through top to bottom and brighten everything, look, make it look good? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that happens a lot. People, you know, we've talked about that several times over the last year and a half on the show that uh, there's so many of us that that just live in our house and accept it the way it is. And then when we go to sell it, uh, we start spending all kinds of money and not, not really to enjoy it ourselves, right? but to, to sell it so we can get the money and go do something else. Um, whereas, uh, and, I, and I have that same problem in my own home. I, here I work on everybody else's house and I've got this thing that needs to be done. Now, my house is in great shape, but I still have, uh, there's always something to do around your house, right? Yep. And yep. so many of us just, we just overlook it because we're living there and we got other things and we, we want to relax. We just go home from work and, uh, you know, we always, we don't want to always work, work, work. So we let things pass by. And as, as he mentioned a minute ago about gutters, you know, unless we call someone in to clean out our gutters and clean the debris off our roof, um, you know, it just may not happen because there's so many of us that aren't going to get on the ladder and do it ourselves. And Tim, I think when he says clean off the gutters, he just doesn't mean clean out the gutters. Yeah. Your gutters should be pretty. They should be white if they were manufactured white. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that's that can be here's here's a couple things I want to mention about that. Yeah. Uh they will streak if you have a roof that is very aged and needs to be replaced, and the only way you'll be able to clean those gutters off is to get up there and hand scrub them, and even then, you'll still see taint streaking yeah. lines across them. The other reason for your gutters to do that, aside from just not keeping them clean inside, uh, is uh, you have the wrong size gutters. And uh, so often I see houses with five-inch gutters instead of six-inch gutters on roofs that are very steep and very angular. And so you get these storms, uh, 30 40% of the storms, where you have lots of rain, and the water just flows right over the top of the gutter and streaks the front of the gutter. could be related to a roof that is maybe aged as well, but you put in a small gutter with that, which is what 98% of the people have, the wrong size gutter, and uh, then you'll have gutters on the face of them that are dirty. All right. Tim Ferruzzi, Dave Alexander, making your home great every Saturday from 2 until 4. You are invited to participate, ask questions, challenge us on some ideas. You hear something on the show and say, I, I'm not sure about that. My dad told me different. 919-860-9783. Last couple of minutes of this show, it's open policy here. Uh, call us up, 919-860-9783 on Making Your Home Great. News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, AccuWeather Forecast. We have a beautiful afternoon. I hope you enjoy it. Hardly cloudy and a high near 83. Tomorrow is exactly the same. And then for Monday, a high near 82 degrees, but a possibility of increasing clouds in the afternoon and maybe a thunderstorm. It is 83 degrees, real feel 82, News Radio 680, WPTF. Tim Ferruzzi and Dave Alexander on Making Your Home Great. Tim is with Handy Helpers Remodeling and Highland 
residential roofing. Website, handyhelpers.com. And then there's highlandroofingnc.com. And the office number for Tim is six, well, 919-676-5969 if you want to call during the week. Hey, Dave. Yeah. I wanted to mention, you remember we had the show a couple weeks ago where we were talking about ventilation in your attic, in your crawl space, and, and in your home and why it's so important. Yes, sir. Uh, I had uh, several people email me and ask me for that brochure, and uh, I did send those out. And I would encourage anybody that uh, owns a home to email me. No strings attached. I yeah. don't keep your address, anything for that. It's not for solicitation. This is a brochure I would love people to have. Uh, it's a very informative, easy-to-read brochure. It talks about why ventilation and, and things are important and what things you can do on your home that are very important, mostly geared around ventilation. And I'll, e I'll mail it to you. So if you just email me um, at handyhelpers.com, you can go right to our website, handyhelpers.com, and there's a place for email. Email me. I'll mail this thing to you. No strings attached. I'll pay for the stamp, obviously. I'll throw my business card in there. That's all. Yeah. And I want you to, you know, just to help the public and uh, the listeners that, that call in all the time or listen all the time that may not call in, I'd love to have you guys look at this brochure and read through it. I think it'll help people save money. Yeah. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about roofing, at least part of the show. We're going to talk about roofing and how you can get a 50-year warranty on your roof. Uh, we're also... Uh, that's from us, and uh, we have a system that's certified from uh, GAF. Uh, we're certainteed single master installers. We also install Atlas products. Atlas guarantees your roof will never streak. You'll never have algae on your roof with their system, or they'll replace it in full, even if it's 25 years down the road. You okay. gave a—it's funny because numbers sometimes rhyme— and people don't trust what they really heard. Yep. Did you say a 55-0? 50-year warranty on the roof. 50-year warranty on your roof from me and the manufacturer. Okay. So that is a new thing that we've got the last uh, three or four weeks based on certifications and a new way we do our roofs. With these manufacturers, we've struck deals and got these things in writing that you can get a roof done that way, and we can present credentials to show you that. But aside from that, we also yeah. do roof repairs. If you're not ready for your roof to be done, we can come out and we can replace your pipe flashings, fix flashings on the walls, fix your chimney, finally. We've always done that, and um, we like to do repair work as well. So we have this 295 tune-up, and, of course, that's not always applicable on all houses. But we come out and look at your house free of charge and tell you, hey, we can do it for two ninety five, or if you want to do this, it's going to be four ninety five. It just depends on how big your house is, how steep it is, things like that. But those are things that you can do that can also buy you another two or three years if you're not ready for a roof. Every roof needs to be maintained, just like your car, just like your body, like the interior of your house. You got to take care of your roof. You don't just replace it once and ignore it. There's things you have to do periodically. Um, so many of us wait till we see that stain on the ceiling. And yeah. by the way, for every stain you see on the ceiling, 
there's four or five more leaks going on that yeah. you don't know about. Yep. Guaranteed. And water leaks travel along <laughs> the wood, and you don't know that the leak is above the bathroom just because the bathroom ceiling is wet. So tune in next week on yep. roofing. Very informative. We'll go into the systems and how they're done. And you can also see pictures on our website at highlandroofingnc.com. And I would encourage people to email us at either one of those websites for this brochure on ventilation. It will save you money. And next week also is a Lewis Sadler uh, Saturday. So we're going to talk with Lewis, and he's bringing some people in. We're going to have multiple folks sitting around the microphones talking about, you know, home repair. When we were here with Lewis the last time or the time before, we talked about the labor shortage in the construction industry. And we're going to talk about that next week because I've lined up somebody to discuss how colleges can help uh, companies to develop people for the industry in the future. Um, I hope it's going to be good. The, you know, kids, kids who are... 17, 18, and who don't quite know where they're going, or they know where they're going and it's not the traditional path, Wake Tech is an excellent alternative. And there are wonderful programs there, not only in HVAC, but in other things. Uh, But that's coming up next week. One one of my sons, one of my six children, he just does not like college. Yeah. So I got him involved in the heating and air business at Wake Tech. He took a class, and he's off and running and 24 years old and worked way up the ladder to yep. become fully certified. So good good route for people that just like to, you know, not go to college, but they want to get in the trade business. I want to go underneath the house, metaphorically speaking, here for the last couple of minutes because um, something occurred to me while you approach the subject of ventilation underneath the home. Mm-hmm. I think I'm supposed to do something with those little window things. By the way, extraordinarily cheap little plastic closures underneath, you know, on the foundation of my house. Your foundation vents? Uh-huh. The foundation vents. They were installed in what I thought was the worst way possible mm-hmm. with a little bit of um, a little bit of mud on the inside and then a little bit of mud on the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're hanging there, and I think I'm supposed to open them some of the year and close them the rest of the year. Am I right on that, or am I all wet? Yes, and there are some that you can buy that are that are that do that themselves, supposedly that open and close. And I believe they're supposed to be open in the summertime and closed during the winter time. But yeah, on my house, I eliminated them. You did. I did. How do you do? How do you then move air well, through there? You have you have to have a humidifier, a dehumidifier, yeah. not a humidifier, but a dehumidifier under your house, and you want to make sure you've got six mil plastic, uh, uh, what's called a vapor barrier under your house. Yeah. Um, but I eliminated mine. But of course, when you do that, you've got to have some kind of moisture control system to eliminate the the moisture under the house. But, but I it, did it because I was trying to yeah. make sure that. I didn't have buildup of moisture under the house with foundation vents. You know, you're bringing in everything that's from the outside in. So if you eliminate them, you have to have a dehumidifier, and you need to also have something on the um, six mil plastic vapor barrier yeah. on the the floor itself to stop a lot of the moisture. So we came in with sand mortar, clean mortar sand, 
and six mil plastic under ours. And you can also do a, a full a full covered dry sealed crawl space. We do that as well. And you can add the dehumidifier. There's different levels you can do. You can go full scale with a, a full crawl space dressed, you know, dried in, or yeah. you can do certain levels of it. You don't always have to do all or nothing. And we don't necessarily, we're not necessarily talking about running cement on, underneath the house. You're talking about some sort of moisture barrier that's a, a plastic thing. Yes, exactly. Right. It's like a, like a swimming pool uh, it's insert. Like a liner, we even sure. Say it even, exactly. Like swimming pool liner, or like we've said, a shower cap, you know, upside down. Yeah. Where it runs up the foundation walls and it's sealed and it runs up your piers, stops the moisture from the ground from coming into your crawl space. Uh, and you have a dehumidifier there in that space just as a backup system. All right. We've got to run. Thanks to Brent Gant of the Whitehall Manor uh, Homeowners Association for joining us. Also, and maybe especially, Dr. Ken Alstrom of Economy Exterminators and Steve Poirier of Go Realty. And thanks also to my co-host, Tim Ferruzzi. Thank you, Tim. See you next week. Happy Easter, everybody. News Radio 680 WPTF, making your home great. House in the middle of our-